knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe from the studio here in Pembroke Pines. Uh, another edition of Poker Action Line. And uh, lots of stuff to cover tonight. Joe was out of the studio last week, feeling a little better this week, back yeah, in the sure. studio with me. And we have a special guest tonight, a good friend of ours from way back in our highlight days. We actually first uh, knew Al Gomez. He's going to join us for a few minutes, kind enough to join us on a break from a tournament over at the Isle Casino up in Pompano Beach. Al, thanks uh, for taking a few minutes to be with us. Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, you have having quite a bit of success lately, and I just wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, what it's like to kind of decide that this is what you want to do, and uh, as things get better and better, uh, there's lots of opportunities. So uh, basically, how did you decide you wanted to play these higher buy-in events? Well, you know, as everyone always starts, start with the limit games. Uh Ironically, it started at Highline, you know, the one two back in the days before then it got legalized at the move, you know, or got bigger, uh, like the Crystal Palace Cardinal at the Highline. Right. It started uh, which, getting which, which, bigger. Uh, which Joe was in charge of. <laughs> which Joe was in charge. So, you know, as soon as that got approved by the state, then the low limit came and all, blah, blah, blah. So that from there, uh, that's when I really kind of started, like, eyeing the poker thing. But then I found out that tournament is my thing because I have passion for it and I have patience for it. So that's why I've been able to be successful. You think that's as the years you go think, on. You think that's the real key is that a lot of people just don't uh, don't really uh, have the patience to be successful. And... Yeah, you, you gotta have patience and you gotta have your mind focused. You know, let's say you're gonna play a certain tournament, a certain day. You know, prepare yourself like mentally and physically because poker, like any other job, it could be. Very brutal, you know, to the brain, especially hours and hours. When you play it, hold on one second, David. Usually, at certain when you play it, you know, to qualify, you got to be there about eight, nine hours as it is. So, if you're tired and you're not up for it, and you're hungry or anything like that, that's all going to affect your play. Well, it's been a it's been a good run here for South Florida poker. Uh, basically, started in '97. And, uh, at the Paramutuals, and, and we've gone to the point where the Seminole Hard Rock is the big boy on the block, and, and, and there's tremendous tournaments, but just like the tournament you're playing tonight, there's always seems to be something here that, that you could take part in here in South Florida. Uh, Florida, to me, eventually is going to become the next Vegas as far as tournament goes and big tournament goes, especially with the addition of the Hard Rock and the hotel. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and uh, to show for it, all these players from all over the country some even out of, like, the country, they, they start to move here. And uh, for a lot of the Florida area, South Florida area, I should say. And, you know, you see all these prize pools in every poker game at the Hard Rock. They're always, like, smashing the guarantee. I don't know where you get all these poker players from, but, man, I tell you, nothing ever falls short. What is, what is the difference between some of these events? Obviously, we know there are better players that come in for a uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open uh, for big WPT events that they have here in town, but you play all over the place. You play a little bit of Dania. Uh, you play yep. uh, you play a lot of the smaller games here and there. So how do you alter, what, what do you have to do to grinding, alter, Dave. Yeah, really. What do you have to do to alter your game to be successful? Oh well, obviously when you play in these smaller buy-ins, you're playing with like 
different level of uh, knowledge and poker of people, I want to say. And the bigger buy is actually you get uh, the most respectful players that you play with. You know, you respect them a lot more. But I say uh, as far as, like, the pricing goes, uh, no, it just depends because you could play a smaller tournament and still catch 3000 but you could play a bigger tournament and get them in cash and get 500 You understand what I'm saying, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so you know, you're going to tell me you go to one of these smaller tournaments, let's say a 15000 20000 and you're catching 9000 whether you would have played a 3500 uh, uh tournament, a min-cash is going to be like 4500 something like that. So it's basically, you know, I go for value a lot in tournaments. Yeah, you seem to uh, you seem to always seem to get in the cash somehow. I mean, is that the, mm-hmm. when you start a tournament, are you thinking about winning it or are you more thinking about uh, just making money? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking my goal is to make the money. That's my goal in every tournament. I just want to make the money, and then usually when I make the money, that's when I really start cruising. Because a lot of people, when they make the money, they just like to start shoving and shoving. Even if they say they got 11, 12 big points, I don't know why they do that. Because, you know, this last tournament that I played at the Hard Rock, I was like literally six from the bottom of a 200-something people, and I get a second. So I believe uh, I'm a strong believer of chipping the chair, you know. Yeah, never giving up, basically. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Chip in the chair, you're always going to have a shot no matter what. Well, Especially yeah. if you, you know, you get it in in good position. That's yep. all you need, that one little double up. Absolutely. Uh, the latest success for you has been in this Escalator Series, which is a series of four weekend events over at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. Uh, number one yep. was 150 buy-in. You cashed in that one for about 600. Then you had your big yep. success in event number two, a 250 buy-in. Uh, made it all the way to second place. I was over there checking out the tournament, and there was about 33 players oh. left. You were still in there, and uh, you had had a big day. It was kind of a tough series for you because right before uh, the event started uh, that day, your, your father had died the day before. Yeah, my father had passed, so he was with me because it was incredible. That, that, you know, I started with, like, like I said, 12 big ones, you know. Really, when you have 12 big ones, it's, it's tough to get up there, especially all the way at the bottom. You know, at the end, towards the end, final table. So, you know, I, I was patient like I always am and take my spot. And then a little bit of luck, you know. And from there, you know, once you get those chips, it's a lot easier. Yes. You know, you cruise a lot better. Absolutely. Was that a little bit of inspiration for you? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. My dad's a pastor, so, you know, I know where he's at. You know what I mean? So that's even more oh. of a calmness to the, well, to the mind. That's great. Uh, this weekend was, this past weekend was the 350, the third of the three events. Uh, the good thing for you was that you made the final table in event two, so you had a free buy-in to event three. Are you happy with the uh, format of the oh, yeah. later? Oh, absolutely. So I'm happy with the way I played, too. Happy with the way I got it in, you know, and got down to a couple of little chips, and I brought it back up. And if I would have won this last hand, I would have probably still been there. Tell, tell me a little about the final table in the 250, and uh, you know what happened where you ended up finishing second. Did you have a chance to? You did. I think you had some sort of chop toward the end, but did you have a chance to to uh, take uh, the event and something happened? Oh yeah, but this is kind of hard when you know someone asks you for a five-way chop. Usually, Dave, what happens in this game when somebody asks you for a chop and you say no, you're usually going back. You're going out immediately, or the poker god gets you. You know what I mean? They track your aces, your kings, whatever it is. Absolutely. In this case, they already had tried to do a seven, eight-way chop. And uh, at the time, I was getting only $21,000. I think it was seventh place or sixth place. And one guy said no. 
One guy said, no, so let's play again. And sure enough, that guy was the first one to go. He had second and chips at the time. And then we got down to five, and one guy said again, you guys want to look at a chop? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Uh, so we looked at it, and the numbers were, like, incredible. <laughs> and uh, honestly, to tell you the truth, I wanted to keep on playing because I knew the kind of field it was. The field wasn't – I didn't think it was that tough. You know, good players, but – did you did you play it out to the end or did you actually stop when there were no, still chips? No, in? we stopped it. We stopped it and uh, at five and, uh, at five players at five. Okay, yep, five players. We stopped it. Any thoughts to continuing? Just because you feel like as you are improving, getting better, uh, you oh, like 100%. you would like to you like to it's play all, for the pressure. Oh, hundred percent. That's all. You know, that's that's what uh, that final table is all about. And as you play the bigger buy-ins, you know, hardly anyone ever chops five ways. You know, you go down to the end, and the pressure definitely, definitely, definitely escalates. But you have to adjust, just like any other job. You always have to adjust to the situation, and the players are on the table all times, you know. Right. You're going to get your loose ones. You're going to get your tight ones. You're going to get your fish ones. You're going to get your ones that's going to open. You just got to adapt to that. But you know, there's something attack. that's the way I look at it. There's something to be said for uh, thirty-five thousand, which is what you got for second place, and and what that yep. does for your bankroll is is there's big tournaments Correct. coming up uh, just around the corner. Is the WPT Seminole Hard Rock Showdown? Uh, oh yeah, and and you now can play in that with no problem. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a big that's a big uh, prize. The price pool was big. It went from two fifty or two hundred guaranteed to three hundred and forty, three hundred and thirty five. That's just amazing, you know. Yeah. Know where to get all these players from. Uh you're currently playing at a tournament in the aisle, a hundred K tournament that uh yeah. uh k- kinda kicks off the battles at the beach. Um mm-hmm. how do you compare mm-hmm. the different uh places where you play? Uh obviously you play a little bit of Dania, but it's probably more for fun. As opposed yeah, to exactly. the hard rock, how do you, how would you compare the hard rock and the aisle these days? What with how they run things? The thing, the atmosphere in the hard rock is more like a little, like if you tilt there, you lose. You could always go do something else at the hard rock. You know what I mean? See beautiful women, or go to the bar, have a drink, <laughs> or just try something else. You know, the atmosphere is like different. Here, the aisle is more like I don't know. It's like more like just like a poker kind of atmosphere. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just more poker. You know, either you play poker, you kind of leave. You know, when you're done. Yeah, exactly. That's basically about it. But hard rock, hard rock is definitely one of the top venues that I love to play. It's just incredible. So I'm assuming you'll play yeah. uh, eventually the main event there at the Isle. Uh, still probably about two, three weeks away. Uh, you have oh for sure. This weekend for you'll sure. have uh, Escalator uh, Two num- Tournament Number Four, which is a 560 buy-in. Things getting pretty serious mm-hmm. over there. And then will you? Yep. How much will you play at the uh, at the Seminole Hard Rock Showdown? Uh, what, what was that day? How, how much will you money? play at the showdown? How many events? Uh, I'll play as many as I can. I'll play probably three good ones. You know, obviously not those high roller events. You know, I like the main event. I like the six maxes. I like stuff like that. So that's fun. And a little success here and there. Obviously, you start thinking ahead to the summer in Vegas. Uh, what's your oh, plan? What's, what's your, sure. How long would you spend sure. out there? You won't go for the whole seven weeks, will you? No, no. I plan to go for maybe like four weeks. Okay. Four weeks, maybe the end of May Have you to been... June, and then depending how I do, I'm pretty sure I'm going to play the World Series this year. I'm almost positive. So, so see how I get into that, whether a satellite, whether a backer, or something like that, you know? When do you, would you make plans on like where you would stay and, and what your uh, time frame would be? 
Oh, that's uh, actually this probably in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So a little yeah, success here and there will, uh, can change everything uh, as you look at oh, it. Oh, yeah, and, and, and I feel that I can do it. I just feel, like I said, poker, is, to me, it's just patient and waiting for that one hand, and that one big opportunity will get you to that final table because it's going to come to you. There's always going to be that, 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 that one hand that's going to get you there. Trust me on that, Dave, yeah. no matter how many chips you got. <laughs> I think that's why yeah. I'll never be that type of player. I'm not sure I would ever mm-hmm. gain the patience. Uh, is it something well, learned? you got to have patience. you got to have patience. Is it, is it inside of you, basically? Oh, yeah. And you got Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, 100%. And then you got to know how to lay them down, too. You know, you can't be hard-headed, you know? You got to know how to lay them down. And when you're beat, you're beat. That's basically how I look at it. If I'm beat, I'm beat. You know, I'm not going to be a hero trying to sunk out or depending how much I, you know, I have invested on the pot. I just, I'm one that I, I realize if I'm beat in the hand, I'm beat in the hand. Come on to the next one or pick a better opportunity. With, with so many different variances being played out in Vegas, have you uh, dabbled in some of the mixed games at all? You know what? I mean, I would be interested in playing in the mixed game. I don't know about that rat and that. The nanny, I forgot the name of it, the doogie or something. I don't know about all that. Right. But like seven card stud, DLO, hold them. Even the rat, I think I get get along with that game. Yeah. Well, good luck. Uh, we're we're so happy for you. We know what of how much thank you've you, improved, you. and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. And I don't want to take you away from pocket aces here in this tournament. No, no, anytime, Dave. I already final table twice with Hunter Caven in the last three months, so. I, I run good in this one. Absolutely. Well, thanks for good. taking the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Good luck, Al, and uh, hey, right, condolences you, for, your, for, for your loss there, brother. I didn't know. Thank you, buddy. Nice talking to you guys. Keep up the good work. Okay. Take care, Al. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. That, that's Al Gomez, good friend of ours. Uh, it's funny because there's another player uh, who Al knows very well named Alcides Gomez. His name is Aldrin Gomez, Aldrin. but lately we've been seeing him uh, listed in the uh, – the Hard Rock is uh, Aldring, with a G on the end of it, Gomez Torres. So well, I, Somebody misspelled his name, because yeah. I know it's Aldring, uh, yeah. Aldrin uh, Gomez. Aldrin Gomez. Uh, or, or as his friends know him, uh, well, you're cause big, big Al. Big Al, for sure. Big Al. And uh, continuing to improve and show success. And, uh, and Tell me, me a little bit about how you look at that, because, I mean, you saw I him saw when he him, first started to play. I saw him when he first started, and let me tell you, I didn't want to interrupt the flow. You guys had a great flow going here because I, I was, I, and I know he was limited on time. I was, I was going to ask him. He mentioned it right at the very end, uh, as far as uh, you know, a hand. And I was going to ask him because in every tournament, there's one hand that you know that um, that you know turned your your fortunes around one way or the other. You know, it's either getting aces snapped or you snapping aces or, you know, catching a miracle card on the river. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask him when he said he was at 12 big blinds what hand he decided to take a stand on. And then afterwards, because even then you go to 24 big blinds, it's still not a whole lot. Right. You know, but, but that gives you a whole great deal of confidence. The one thing that I'm so impressed with Al is, and I did see him when he first started, and it's like anybody else, you know, they, you know, you're learning the game like I did and everybody else. And, um, um, you know, you've got to kind of go through the ebb and flow of playing poker of any of any Just game. gaining that experience. Right? And then having the discipline that that's what I was so impressed with with Al is 
he had the discipline. He was telling you about how he had to stay there. My biggest problem is, and we discussed this on the show last week, that one hand that you wanted me to, to find out about with Joe McKeon, and I right. can't remember uh, the other poker yeah, players. Yeah, Steinman, yeah. And that gentleman did exactly what Al said. Sometimes you've got to know when to lay down the hand, and right. that gentleman did it. And even though, as I was explaining it to you, that's probably my biggest flaw is when it comes runner, runner, and you've put your player – you know, on a hand, and see, I didn't put Joe McKeon, as this gentleman put him correctly, on a 10-queen, you know, that that's why he let it go, that that he may have had the 10-queen of hearts, because two hearts came on that flop and that hand you explained. Right. I was, I'd be more the type of putting him on an ace, you know, because he called a continuation bet. You wouldn't, I wouldn't think a 10-queen would bet, you know, especially if you took a raise before. You know, there's a lot of things, and you know, to Al's credit, he has learned to do this. And before, you know, before I had my, my little problem, you know, at Dania, my health issue at Dania, I saw how he was playing poker. I actually dealt to him. Yeah. And exactly what he said. I, he, I saw him in some hands late in the tournaments over there take a stab at a pot, okay, and somebody come way over. And he took a nice stab at the pot. Uh, and someone came over the top of him and almost always – you know, unless he was sitting with a monster hand, he just looked, looked, looked the guy down, stared him down, and let the hand go. Yeah. And I saw him make a lot of final tables. He's always been kind of a fun-loving guy, uh, you know, a great personality, and uh, I've always enjoyed talking with him. And uh, we actually uh, worked together for a while in, uh, in the announcer's booth yeah. over at Miami. So I uh, know him for many years. Did you ever look at him and think, wow, this guy could be a, a tournament player and successful? No, because Al's business was, you know, uh, different. You know, he was out on the streets, you know, hustling. And, and he was working with a ticket broker and, you know, and, and selling tickets. And, you know, remember when he first got into this, this game was at its infancy here in the state of Florida. And it really was, you know, not a lot of money to be made. So I think he was taking it more for, hey, let's kill some time. Yeah. You know, because he traveled a lot to different venues and, and stuff to, for his job. And I just didn't see him, you know, it's hard to say because I didn't hang out enough with Al. I knew him socially a little bit too, you know. And like you said, he's a very fun-going guy. Shocked the hell out of me with as big as he is, what a great dancer he is. Uh, you know, how well he moves for such a big guy, um, you know. So, no, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think anybody who saw Al back then, unfortunately, I think he started getting real serious in poker right about the time that I was getting out of poker. Right. You know, and he has excelled. You know, we've mentioned him many times on this show over the last few years as he's won this tournament, chopped another one, smaller ones, and he's slowly working his way up the ladder. And he's proven to me, just by me watching him at Dania, that he has developed the necessary skills to continue to climb the, up the poker ladder. And basically started from scratch. I think you mentioned to me last week that you didn't think he, was, uh, he wasn't doing too much computer stuff, so he probably didn't play a lot online. He's learned most of this by playing live. Yeah, well, I, I believe that's the and, – and you know how rare that is today, Dave? Yeah, it is rare. We talk about that with all these young kids. So, you know, all my, you know, my head's off to Al because – you know, that's the way how I learned how to play poker, and I, I honestly believe it's a lot harder today because these kids are not playing 
traditional ABC poker, you know. Uh, it was a lot easier for me to, to get a gauge on the people because the people I played with were usually older than me and a lot more disciplined. What I learned was if I could be aggressive in certain points, you know, I could take pots from them and stuff. And I knew when they played back at me, get the hell out of the way because a train is coming, you know. And today's style of play, as you well know, Dave, is, is a little different. So it, it, to me, it's a lot more difficult to kind of step into the game today yeah. because of the variance. Well, that's why I wanted to have him on is I think it's great to see someone in this day and age pick up the game and just work hard at what you're doing and get better. And the opportunities are still out there. Yeah, my, and listen, it's not so much Al's a very smart guy, you know, but like we said, he was, he was always the joker, you know, always having a lot of fun. What has impressed me, you know, besides his knowledge that he's gained, is his discipline, like he says, being patient. And trust me, that is the hardest part, you know, and I think the reason he may have picked that up is because, you know, Al isn't in his 20s. So when he started playing this game... He had gone through a little bit of life already, yeah, you know, yeah. good, bad, different as life is for everybody. And I, I honestly believe that's helped him and his patience. I think his previous job also helped him in that, Yeah, you know. Well, we wish him luck. Uh, maybe there's a bracelet in his future. Maybe not this summer, but uh, sometime in the future. And uh, I think it's so interesting to uh, see the people that play in many of these tournaments down here. I see a lot of the names. And it, there's guys that will play a $3,500 event. They'll play a $10,000 event out in Vegas in the summer. And then, like the grinder, he played in this tournament last week, a 350 buy-in. And you wonder, you know, why would he, uh, I don't want to say waste his time, but, uh, you know, the money certainly probably is not big. But the co the competitive spirit is in their blood. When you play poker, you play poker. You know, the, 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 the dollar amount, you know, yeah, means a whole lot to you. But, you know, listen... You mentioned before the start of the show, is it Neil Blufield on the final table in the next level of the of, uh, He was the in uh, on the 150, I think, he okay. made the final table. And so. this is a man who came in, what was it, third in, in yeah, the, on one, the main one, event? Yeah, won $3 million. There you go. So, you know, it's like sports. You know, even if you step out of it for a little while and you can't get the type of game that you really like, well, listen, you know, you kind of, I don't, I don't want to you put it to a drug addict, but it's like a baseball player. Hey, I'll play with amateurs just so I can get that feel, get that juice, the poker juices flowing. And if we had more time, I would have delved into that a little further, but uh, it's difficult to go from different levels of play. You go and play in a $40 tournament at Dania. Well, if you want, we can night. address this after the break because, okay. because there is a different strategy. Yeah, so. I'd like to talk about that. Uh, let's take our first break. When we come back, a few more things to talk about. Uh, a lot of events going on, and it's kind of in a, actually this last week has been brief lull, but a lot of things will be picking up soon, and we'll talk about some of the upcoming events and what's happening out there when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be right back. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Hey, Billy. Yeah? Do you want to go to the state fair? Yeah. 
Do you want to ride the roller coaster? Yeah. The big one? Yeah. The one with the reverse flip? <gasps> yeah! Well, you can't. <gasps> you see, Billy, when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have done with it, including going to the state fair. Oh, man. Cheer up. This year, your parents will make it right. They're going to visit energysavers.gov where they'll get tips on how to save energy and money. Then they'll add extra insulation and get a few of those Energy Star appliances. They could save hundreds of dollars a year. And you know what, Billy? What? They'll take you to the state fair <gasps> next year. But I want to go this year. I know you do, Billy. I know you do. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro, is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez. Our thanks to Aldrin Gomez, a good friend of ours for quite some time, uh, having some recent success and uh, talking about it with us on the program during a break, which is uh, not always the most fun time to uh, do media. As I know, uh, people have their plans, whether they uh, whether they smoke and they want to go out and have a cigarette, uh, whether they need to go to the bathroom, or if they want to grab something to eat. Who knows what they're going to do. I'll tell you what. As long as he's got some chips, I think this was probably more therapeutic to him because once you kind of get your mind off of what you have to do once you come back from that break – and having this little talk and talking about his success, I think might actually put him in put him in a good uh, frame of uh, mind, a frame spur him on for another there. victory, yeah. huh? Exactly. You know, listen, it, 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 some people, especially talking about your patience. That to me is the hardest thing. You know, now you know because he mentioned it, and it's a great thing. You have to have that mentality going in, Dave. You have to know, hey, you know, just to get to day two, okay. I know I'm going to have to put in eight, nine, ten hours today, okay? And, yeah, you get a few breaks in between there, maybe a dinner break, you know, but it's still nine or ten hours at the casino, all right? Mm -hmm. And that starts to wear on you. You know, you, you could play perfect for, you know, nine and a half hours, build up a beautiful chip stack, then find another guy who's done the same thing, and all of a sudden you find yourselves right before the break, right before moving on to day two, you know, or into the money in a heads-up situation where you can't let your hand go because you might have picked up pocket aces, kings, and, you know, the turnout doesn't go your way. And now you walk away. I, I Listen, I've, I've bubbled on some tournaments, and let me tell you, Dave, that is brutal. And... I have been in uh, not as many as I would like because of my job, but I've played seven, eight hours where I thought I played really good poker, 
stretches where you didn't catch anything, so you're kind of real happy with yourself that, you know, hey, you know, I got out of this hand, and you're looking at hands that you fold, and you go, oh, wow, look at what a great flop that was for me, and by the end, you know, by the time the river hits the board, you'd have lost, so you're like, you know, you're patting yourself on the back, kind of saying, hey, you know, this is really good, and then either you make one stupid mistake, or somebody sucks out on you, and let me tell you, that is the hardest feeling. You, it, it takes, you know, for me, sometimes it takes days to get over that, you know, because you're thinking of all the possibilities. You're thinking, could I have done something different? And when you make a stupid mistake because you completely misread your, your opponent, you're kicking, you're, I mean, you're, I'm, I'm, at least I am, and I, I know most poker players that I have met, when they've done that, you're just kicking yourself in the ass, like thinking, why did I do this? There was no reason for me. You know, I, was, I thought I'd get fancy. And you're so upset with yourself because it's like you've blown a work day and not got, and not, and not, and got paid. And not, yeah, not show anything for it. Uh, when you take a break now, obviously the dinner break is different. You're maybe thinking about some other things. We have these little 10 and 15 minute breaks. Uh, you take care of your personal business, whatever that is. But uh, do you use that as a time to uh, restructure how you're playing? I mean, you probably would more out in Vegas when you have friends and you might have some conversations out there. I did this and that, and they may give you some advice. But in a little tournament like this, do you uh, use that as a way to shift gears? Yeah, well, once again, you you know, speaking for myself, because I haven't really asked anybody, but if I'm grabbing something to eat, you know, I'm going, trying to get to there as quickly as possible because usually a big line forms and then it takes a while. Then you're kind of rushing your food down. And I do like to contemplate for 10 or 15 minutes, go back over the hands that I played well, the hands that I didn't play well, and hands that, you know, hands that I should have taken more advantage of or, you know, won more money in the pot or lost less money in the pot, you know, and, and my mind works like that. I'm, I'm good at remembering a lot of hands, a lot of scenarios, uh, which I know has been a big help for me. Uh, I used to be wonderful when we seven card stud because you know people who have great recall have a huge advantage in seven card stud. Right. And you know, so my recall is watching how certain players played their hands, how I let somebody off the hook that I could have hooked for more chips, how I let somebody off the hook and I let them catch it come in. When I could have put a lot more pressure on them. So, yeah, I'm grading my play. I'm thinking, okay, I know I'm going back to this table. Okay, Big Dave Lemon is the chip leader. Gio is second chip leader. Now I'm trying to remember how you accumulated those chips and how Gio did uh, when we're on the same table. And you got to remember, Dave, in these tournaments, you know, that's great when you have a dinner break and you know you're going back to your same table. But think right. about it. As tournaments go on, tables break down. So now you're on you're on a table that <clears throat> gets broken ten minutes before the dinner break. Now what? Now there's no you know recall, no nothing because you're going to be playing against you know seven or eight new players that you haven't played against. Maybe you're lucky to have played with some of them in the past, but you know you it, it's almost like starting the tournament all over again because right. now you have to accumulate information again. And and then decipher it and, and, you know, see when you want to take action on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, and we uh, touched on it briefly, but uh, the different levels of play when you, uh, I mean, you have dealt at Dania, uh, 
you know, they have $40 tournaments, $80 tournaments, certainly nothing like the Hard Rock or the Isle or bigger tournaments that uh, that some of these people who are grinding professionally on a regular basis are going to be playing in. So, um, so when you sit down at a different table like this, tell me a little bit about uh, what you look for from certain players and how long it takes to figure out, you know, this guy's a fish, this guy's really aggressive, and uh, kind of put them on something for later in the tournament. Well, you know, uh, before I get started on the tournament side of that, I want to let you know that I went through that in my po- you know, my poker playing days, you know, where, you know, I, I kind of went up and down the scale, you know, where you start at the bottom, you know, your game improves enough to where you move up, and I'm, I wasn't playing at the highest level in, these, in the house games over here, but I was playing at a real nice level and making pretty decent money at it. Now, I'd go somewhere that wasn't that level, that style of game, and, you know, at that level, Al mentioned it very well in, in, in his interview with you, is that, you know, uh, different tournaments for value, you know, they talk about tournaments, but now how the players play in each of these tournaments also is, is you know, the style differs, just like in the cash games. And that's where I got more, more or less of my experience uh, of playing was, you know, the higher you get, the, the moves are more sophisticated, but there's a lot more respect. And all of a sudden, you're giving somebody way too much respect when the money amount is way lower. And I have seen the same scenario occur, you know, especially if you come from this level here, you know, and you come down because either your bankroll tells you you have to play at that level or because there is no other game at that level, so you're just playing in that tournament right. because that's what's available at the time. And let me tell you, Dave, it's hard, to, at, for, at least for me it was, and from a couple other players that I used to play with that I saw them do that, it's kind of hard to get away from the mentality at this level, if that's what you've been playing 95, 100% of your, of your tournaments for a long time, mm-hmm. and then you scale down, okay, and then you scale down. It takes a little while to realize I can't give this person the same amount of respect that I was giving somebody, you know, a, six levels higher, up, higher level six game, levels yeah. up the level. But it takes a little while because in the smaller tournaments, what I have found is obviously you have your, you know, the people who can't afford much more than what this buy-in is, and other people who go there because they they they, they could lose ten buy-ins and it, and it wouldn't affect it wouldn't affect you know one little bit of forget about their lives it wouldn't even affect how their mood changes for the night right you know while someone else loses 10 buy-ins and they're they're contemplating jumping off a bridge maybe right you know and the aggressiveness with absolutely nothing while you know you're talking a five thousand ten thousand dollar buy-in tournament you know you do have your maniacs there and these guys love that but it's it's a much smaller percentage right. as opposed to the way low number buy-in tournaments of forty, a hundred dollars, where somebody says, "Look, I look at Daniel Negrano. We know, you know, he's famous for firing, you know, multiple bullets in these tournaments." Well, you got these people that you know kind of play like 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 in that sense of thinking, "Well, hey, listen, I brought three thousand dollars to a fifty-dollar buy-in tournament, so they don't care shoving with a nine-two, you know, uh, in their hand." And, and it, you know, like Al says, it's great when you catch him, but frustrating as hell if, if you push all in with aces and he calls you with a nine deuce and somehow, you know, two nines hit, two deuces hit, a nine deuce hits, and, you know, you, you, you walk away. 
And if he had lost that hand, it wouldn't have meant anything to him. So you do have to adjust your 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 mental state and and you know and your emotional state because it it definitely the big variance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a couple of hands I want to talk about that you touched on a couple of points and and it kind of illustrates it. Uh, one is. Uh, uh, a hand that Ari Engel played. Uh, Ari Engel had just won another uh, ring at uh, uh, the current uh, bicycle uh, uh, WSOP circuit uh, out in Los Angeles, and it's his ninth career ring. So he's, he's right cut, up there, one behind Maurice. one behind Maurice right now, and uh, a couple other guys. So uh, I want to touch on this hand and see what you have to think about that. But let's take a break first. Uh, involves uh, involves some nice pocket pairs and and there's always got critical uh, plays in tournaments. So uh, let's go ahead and take a break here on the show. We come back and talk about that hand. Maybe another one that Alex Alex Southred wrote about in uh, it was in the Sun Sentinel a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I want to touch on a couple of those when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line and you can always find us. Uh, on uh, SoundCloud is really a great place to pick up the show on our PokerActionLine.com uh, website. Uh, of course, you can go to holdemradio.com, many other places. We'll talk about some more of those a little bit later. But we'll be back with more after these messages on Poker Action Line. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. This is the sound of salmonella gyrating on your undercooked chicken. And it looks like mom might be taking it out a little early. Don't let salmonella get funky with your chicken. On average, one in six Americans will get a foodborne illness this year. So use a thermometer to cook each type of meat to the right temperature. Keep your family safe at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council.
Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, before I get into this hand, uh, I don't know if he'll do a couple tonight or what, but just to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Bicycle Casino, which is hosting the World Series of Poker Circuit. Uh, Ari Engel uh, is, uh, is the guy I want to talk about because he's won the Aussie Millions before for a million dollars. And he'll play a lot of tournaments here, big tournaments, smaller tournaments. Uh, this is a guy that goes all over the country, but he just picked up this ring in a 365 buy-in Omaha high-low event. Okay. $9,700 for first place. Uh, and sometimes, as Al said, the money's just not that important. And uh, you said it as well. Uh, it's about the competition. It's about playing the game. And uh, it's kind of funny. I, I wrote the write-up of it, and it said uh, mixed game players uh, know that Ari Engel's one of the best Hold'em players in the world. Uh, and maybe a little worried that he's branching out into some of these other games, but uh, he's, yeah. he, I don't know how serious he'll take that. Well, you know how I look at that, Dave? I mean, you know, you know, I know it's still two months away, but the WSOP is coming. You know, and what happens when, 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 when you've got a, a player, a baseball player that, you know, uh, has sat out for a little while, maybe hasn't played as much, you know, they send them to spring training, and then they send them maybe to the minors, to play a few games to tune up well listen it doesn't matter if i think when you when you've played at the level that ari has and and have been successful and won big tournaments like the aussie millions listen you kind of enter this tournament just to say okay you know i'm going to tune up my game let me see if i'm still reading players right you know and you win this tournament and like you said ninety seven hundred dollars i'm sure means almost nothing to them okay but the satisfaction and, and the, uh, the, the, the help to his psyche, his poker psyche, as far as, hey, man, I read these people perfectly. I read my opponents perfectly. I ran, you know, I walked through this tournament just the way I wanted it to. And it's almost like you're fine-tuning your game, in, in my opinion, when you've played at the levels and won the amount of money that he has. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of. I mean, I know for yeah, me, I would, love, I would love the action. But, you know, you get to that point, and I'm thinking, all right, let me see if, if, if I've still got, you know, if I've taken some time off or I haven't been running well, let me go down a, a notch or two, see if I can fine-tune my game, and let me see if I've, you know, still got my reading skills and, and knowing how to put people on hands and putting pressure. And, you know, you win a tournament like this, it can only help. It can only help how good you feel it's about It's practice, really. It's like it, anything. Exactly. Exactly, and and for them, 360, I'm sure, is a very cheap practice rate with a with a with a turnout that for you and I, 9,000 would be a very nice payday for us. You know, for him, it's just you know an ends to a means. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. Uh, looking at their main event, which is now uh, past the money bubble, uh, they are finishing down. There's 46 players remaining out of 705 out there at the bike in Los Angeles. Uh, just looking through some of the names, seeing you know, some of the people playing, David Pham, uh, Christy Arnett, who's a very good player that was a reporter for Poker News and and um, doing a lot of TV there for a while. Uh, she's concentrating more on her playing career now. Uh, Rep Porter, who we've had on the show and, of course, had his own uh, uh, website, uh, teaching website. Uh, Mohsin Sharanya, we've had on the program as well. So. Uh, a lot of big names out there, and probably all kinds of players uh, playing in a 1675 event. So uh, um, it's it's fun to follow that kind of stuff. It really is, and it's nice 
to see that they'll play at those levels right. instead of the nosebleed uh, levels that, that they're used to playing in. Uh, Chris Arnett listed in fourth place right now, 560,000 chips. Anuj Agarwal is the chip leader. Joe McKeon playing in this event, sixth place. Uh, Rep Porter is at 480,000. And uh, a lot of big-name players that uh, play the circuit and travel all over the country. Ping Lu from Chicago uh, just finished on the final table, and he is playing in this event, doing pretty well. And looking at some of the other names uh, down the list, uh, Jesse uh, Yaganuma and uh, Ben Keyline, pretty well-known player that has a bracelet. Uh, I think he won the... uh, the big tournament, the Colossus, out at the World Series, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago. Anyway, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, we won't have the final result tonight, but I want to talk about this hand. Uh, Ari Engel playing against a fellow named uh, Bain is his last name. Let's see. Uh, Tristan. Tristan Bain. He's an Aussie regular. And they are playing, and the situ- situation here is on day three of the uh, Melbourne uh, Crown Melbourne main event of the Aussie Millions, and uh, the uh, the uh, blinds are twelve hundred twenty four hundred with a four hundred dollar ante. And what and, are the uh, stack sizes? Engel has Bain comfortably covered. Okay, as they say. Um, player opened with fifty six hundred. Angle three bet to fifteen thousand six hundred with pocket queens, two red queens. Okay. Bain was dealt pocket jacks, jack of spades, jack of diamonds in the big blind, and made it thirty four five to go. Okay. Thirty four thousand five hundred. The opener then folded, and Angle called, and the board came: king of spades, three of clubs, nine of diamonds. Uh, so Bain bets twenty two thousand and Angle calls. Uh, both players check the four of di- four of spades turn. Okay. And uh, before I get into the final uh, you know, analysis of the hand, uh, I'll just say, um, you well, know, some of the thoughts on on why a player four betting with jacks. Uh, that's pretty standard, I would say. But Angle not. Uh, you know, has a real decision to make here, and uh, checking the turn kind of made sense for him. Um, yeah, I think he wanted to read his opponent, and my guess is if I was angled there and he decides to push all in and no ace hits on the river, you're going to have to show me a king, you know, because I don't see why he would give Angle a free card on the turn you understand right. him coming out and betting the uh, the flop. So if I'm angle, I'm putting him on tens or jacks, and you know maybe even ace queen. Okay, thinking that angle was just pushing him around when when he first you know when he three bet him after he had raised and came back and four bet him. So you know my guess is he's got an ace with a queen or a jack. He didn't hit the king because I wouldn't give him a free card. And I would act accordingly, you know, if I'm angle once the river hits. Well, he's known as a very, very aggressive player in that you uh, you have to really stand up to him if you don't want to be pushed around by him. Um, he thought it was kind of interesting that Engel actually just chose to call with the queens. Right. Well, listen, there's a king that flopped up there. So, yeah, you you know... Did my opponent just hit a king, ace-king, you know, four-bet me with ace-king? Does he have pocket kings, pocket aces? If he had put them on pocket aces, 
I don't know if Engel would have called that four bet. He might have put him on ace king and thought he was on, on, on a, in a race. And the king hits on the flop. He bets. He goes, I'm going to call him to see where he's at since you said he was comfortably covered him. Now the check on the turn is very interesting. Uh, do you think your opponent is tricky enough to check a monster hand so he can, you know, fake weakness and hope that you come out betting? That's a, an answer that we can only give if we had been playing there with these people. You know, that's, that, right. that's, a, that's a question you can only answer with time at the table. Okay, the river card is another four, uh, seemingly inconsequential, but uh, um, the Bane checks again, hoping to get to the showdown. And uh, as this uh, writer, uh, Mo Noiro, who we've had on the show before, says, he said betting would probably be too thin for value. So Engel really is the one with the real decision. Does he bet and go for value, or does he check and show down? He said, this is a spot where I see the majority of players choose the latter, figuring not many worse hands will call them. However, Engel opts for a very small bet of 23000 I would have done the same thing. I would have bet because I'm thinking... He's calling me with tens, with jacks, because what was it? King nine high board? Yeah. So he's going to call me with tens or jacks. He probably won't call with an ace queen unless he really thinks I was trying to steal the pot. So if he's got a smaller pocket pair, maybe even pocket eights, you know, he's going to call my bet. And at that point, if he decides to push all in afterwards, you you know, now it makes it a lot easier for you to fold since you didn't invest that much in that river bet. Right. Uh, Mo says, I, I just love this bet of 23000 into a pot of around 125 He said, it's just so incredibly likely that Engel has the best hand. Uh, when you look at what hands beat him, you know, aces, ace-king, king-queen, maybe the only likely value hands. Uh, with king-queen being a nice hand of four-bet bluff in these spots because it blocks kings and queens. Right. Exactly. So he said, uh, furthermore, if Bain had a better hand... He'd have likely looked to get more money in the pot at some point, but checked the last two chances he had to bet. Uh, his hand looks like either a weak uh, one pair or an ace high that shut down. Which is exactly yeah, what I just exactly. said. So um, he said, in the end, Bain has to be a little baffled here because he likely expected Engel to make the more standard play and jam preflop with better pairs than ace-king. He ends up calling the small bet. I, I was just going to say, he has to call that bet. And Engel squeezes value out of a spot where most players would not. So that's some of the deep well, thinking that's Well, that's his experience. Yeah. And like I said, watching these players, and you see that. He four-bet me, bets on the, on the flop, and checks, checks a, 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 you know, a weak card that came on the turn. You know, something that didn't change, shouldn't have changed the board. And you checked into the, into the man who called your four-bet you know, with better precision than you. If I'm angle, I would have done the same thing. I would have checked that that turn. That turn, and if no ace comes, he may have taken money from me if the jack hit him, you know. But if no ace comes on that river, and he bets, I'm calling. I'm not probably raising, and you know. And if and if he checks, I'm definitely betting. If anything comes lower than a ten, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what he did. Uh, there's one other hand I want to talk about. This was in the Herald or the uh, Sun Sentinel. We have a local Fort Lauderdale paper here that will, on their Friday section, have a, a poker article coming from the Tribune uh, content agency. And Alex Othred, I've met him before at uh, at a PPA event where he, he uh, has helped out uh, doing some teaching and stuff like that. Uh, talks about a hand, and it's pretty deep thinking in, in my uh, 
in my estimation, because it talks about having pocket kings and deciding that you need to take your time and protect your dime, is the way the way he puts it. Let's okay. say uh, this is in a cash game that he talks about. He said if you have a you have a stack of four hundred dollars in a one two no limit game. Um, he said that an opponent you get pocket kings and uh, an opponent makes it ten dollars. There's one caller. And we raise it to forty with uh, the King of Clubs and uh, I'm sorry, King of Clubs and, and King of Hearts in position, and only the raiser is the only caller. So the flop comes two threes uh, and a five, uh, two clubs, three and the five of clubs. You've got the King of Clubs in your hand, right? And uh, he said, uh, not not you're pretty happy about it because uh, the, your opponent is unlikely to have a three. Otherwise, he would have. Uh, um, probably bet a lot more, you know. Well, but remember, it's a one-two game. Yes, you would not put your opponent on a three. Uh, down here, who knows? You know. Yeah, exactly. With the way the people play their hands. Anyway, uh, we bet forty. He raises to ninety. So now, what do you do? He said, "Our, our goal is protect our stack if we're behind, while giving ourselves an opportunity for a profit if we're ahead." Uh, obviously, uh, we must consider uh, his hand range. Uh, if we raised and our opponent did have, a, if we raised and our opponent did have a three, he'd get all his chips in on the flop, and that would tell you something right there. Uh, he might fold a hand that we beat uh, if he didn't have a three. So raising is not the optimal play. Why you think that you know you have your kings, you might that might be the way to go. He said, uh, unless he said you know this player may overvalue a pair. That's really the only. Uh, or uh, he way has ace queen of cl- he's got ace queen of clubs. Right. You know, I mean, you know, the, the hands that arranged to you was like you said, a, a smaller pair than the kings, and an ace, an ace suited, you know, two big ace, you know, an ace, two big cards with an ace suited in clubs. He might take that shot there and raise, knowing that he's got two shots to pull a club, knowing that his opponent probably played a big pocket pair. He could have taken that small race to begin with with an ace suited, with an ace three suited, you know. And and now you know ran into into that, or he raced with a small pocket pair and hit the full house on the flop with pocket fives. Well, we're not going to find out actually what he has, but he does talk about you know the thought process behind not what, raising here. The king's not re-raising, right? You mean. Exactly. The king's not re-raising. Exactly. Well, listen. The only way you re-raise, I mean, I don't. How much did the second opponent have? The guy who really made it ninety? Did it say there at the start? Uh, of the it didn't say. No. It didn't say. So he had a stack of four hundred. Let's assume his opponent had him covered. Okay. Okay. The opponent has now put a hundred and thirty dollars into this pot. So my guess is he's going to be pretty much pot committed unless he knows that this particular player with the kings, you know, if he gets pressure put on him, lets it go. So. I'm going to put him on one of those ranges. And the only one that, you, that you're up against, that you, you're a favorite, but not a big favorite, is against an ace, ace suited in clubs. Okay. Because you've got an overcard that beats you, and obviously any club that comes out, you've got a blocker with the king of clubs, but you know now if another club comes, you need a three or a king to get the full house. Okay. He says uh, you know, the, the immediate reaction for people would be, what if he has a flush draw? Or he does have that ace. Uh, he said, uh, if we don't raise, we're giving him a chance to hit something. He said, this is a 6% to 18% chance that we have to take, as that ace hand could pay us more money by continuing to bluff, 
and there's a far greater chance our opponent has a pair. So he says if our opponent has a flush draw, he's probably not folding to any raise. And if we're a coin flip to win, if he hold, and we are a coin flip to win if he holds an ace with two cards still to come. So we don't raise, we just call. I, I think that's what I would have done there also. Just call, make sure no club or, or an ace hit the board. And then maybe I become more aggressive on the turn, knowing that he's only got one card left to hit. Okay. Uh, he says that uh, by calling, we might slow down our opponent in case we're behind. Uh, if the turn brings a third club, our opponent could check or bet uh, small, plus we have outs. And every scenario uh, would save us money as opposed to getting it all in on the Just flop. That's what I said. Yeah. So he said if we're ahead and we check behind a turn check, uh, our opponent is likely to make a river bet, which we'll call. That gives us a value gained. Yep. Uh, if we're ahead, he bets on the uh, turn, and we call. We still get our value, and we likely won't face a, a difficult river decision. So he said, too often we overcommit ourselves in the flop and offer up our entire stack to hands that beat us, or we scare away good money by raising. So bottom line is uh, you need to protect your stack, but you also need to leave room for value. Yeah, well, listen, in that scenario, it's like the old football adage. Remember, I don't remember what coach. Two bad things can happen when you pass the ball. So in this particular case, if you raise to, you know, the, you have that scenario there. I don't know. I, like I said, I think I would have just called them and seen what the what the turn card was. So Well, that's some deep thinking that goes behind some of these decisions. Uh, still a long way for people like me to uh, learn a lot of these things, but uh, you can. Okay, let's take our final break on the show. We come back, we'll finish things up. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. 
Final segment of the program, just a short one, as we uh, spent a lot of time talking about several different things tonight. Our thanks to Al Gomez for joining us tonight. Aldrin, Aldrin, whatever, whatever. Aldrin Gomez, excuse me. Yeah. Let me see. I I got Big Al here. Where is he? Oh, wait a minute. Did I I put his real name in there? No, I did not. I'm sorry. I just Uh, put Al Gomez. We call him Al. Uh, you can call me out. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, this afternoon at the uh, bike in Los Angeles, uh, down to uh, in the money uh, portion of the tournament with 44 players left, and uh, they also started the high roller today, which is 3250. Uh, it doesn't really seem like a high roller when we have all these $25,000 events, but as far as the circuit goes, uh, it's a big one. And you get 30,000 chips and um, get some decent big name players going there. Uh, they are playing that today, and uh, they're finishing things up. Uh, they give you some a uh, couple of people playing in this event. Ari Engel is playing this event. Uh, he is currently sixth in chips, and uh, Joseph Chong is also playing Nipun Java, who we've had on the show before. Sean Yu, Jonathan Tamayo, and uh, uh, let's see. Dylan Wilkerson also playing. So uh, that's the tournament out there in Los Angeles, and we'll have the uh, results of the main event next week when we're on the show. Uh, we'll be checking out plenty of the action over at the Isle Casino this week as uh, the battle at the beaches is underway and headed toward uh, their main later in the month. Um, did want to mention, next week uh, I'm going to be playing in a uh, charity event up at the Palm Beach Kennel Club on the 25th of March. And I think we'll have uh, Kevin McClellan on the show. The Tyler McClellan Foundation is uh, having their annual event. It's eighth year for that. It's, uh, oh, it's about as long as we've been on the yeah, air. Exactly. We got involved in that it's in the very first year. Unfor- it goes quickly, unfor- unfortunately for them in this thing, but it's such a great thing for what they did for their son's memory. Yeah, on uh, Sunday, the, uh, March 25th at the Palm Beach Kennel Club, they always do a nice job with this tournament and uh, have a lot of fun. So I'm going to be checking that out and playing in that uh, in a couple of weeks. So uh, that's going to about do it for the show. Uh, Joe, thank you as usual for uh, your help tonight. And Gio, as usual, on the controls. We appreciate that as well. We'll be back with another show next week. I want to talk a little bit about the Poker Players Alliance. I need to get Rich Muni back on the show, uh, talk about the departure of John Pappas. A real nice article on uh, Poker News about his career, 10 years he spent at the PBA. They did a lot of good things. Yes, he did. And uh, maybe not everything that could have been done uh, has worked out well well for the game. It wasn't because of him. Not because of him. Not because of him, you know. Exactly. And we'll talk about a few other things. The interesting article by Fader Holtz uh, that he did an interview to talk about ways to improve your game, and we might get to that next week as well. Anyway, uh, we'll be back with another show next week. We did this one earlier in the week, and we'll join you next week, probably around the middle of the week. And uh, we hope you will be with us as well. Thank you guys both, and uh, we will talk to you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.